0: son holy spirit Amen. Amen.
1: i invite all the kids and teams up through the 12th grade today
0: please come forward everyone yes. who, has, who has brothers and sisters I know you do you, do, you don't you do, do you do people. you do you no no no, no they, they, don't have yes. bro- they don't have brothers and sisters I do I have, I have seven brothers and one sister two are in heaven but I have seven brothers and one sister and I look back on pictures when I was a little boy 20-22 years ago yeah. And, 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 and sometimes it's hard to say is that me or is that my brother or is that my who is that one because we all kind of look alike you know why because we're in the same family we have the same jeans I don't wear jeans I wear slacks <laughs> well, uh, okay yeah but we have the same jeans don't we and so it makes us kind of look alike, and because we've grown up together, it makes us kind of act alike, right? And so when we look at one another, we kind of see our parents in ourselves. We kind of see our brothers and sisters in ourselves by the way we look and by the way we act. Now there's a, there's a uh, no. If I were to, if I were to have a mirror, I see that's really nice. If I were to have a mirror and i were to put it right here who would you see no facing you you <laughs> see if i were to put it here a mirror facing you who would you see you if i were to put a mirror right here who would you see me yeah you too me right so when you look in a mirror and see yourself i want you to i want you to remember something that you see it, You see Jesus in you, too. Because there's a a second reading today. Okay, I'm going to confess. When you get older, like me when I'm 43, like right now. (laughs) Okay, I've lied twice. I'm 67. Okay, I'm 67. (laughs) But when you get older, you get up like two times at night, you know. You know, right? And so... One of those times I go back to bed, I was just telling Father Larry before the early service this morning, I said, and so I'll say the first, the canicle, the venite, and then I'll do the Lord's Prayer, and then I'll do the second canticle just to keep my mind, number one, focused on God, but also to keep it from straying so that I don't stay awake for the next two or three hours. And then the second time I get up, I usually do a, a memorization of Scripture, and it happens, the shortest one that I know is, is from Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Meaning he's, he came down from heaven to be like us. And he went back up to heaven after he taught us what that means so that we can be like him. And so when we look in the mirror, and as Christians, we should see more of Jesus. When other people look at you in your eyes and deep into your soul, they should be able to see Jesus. When you look at me, you should be able to see Jesus. When I look at you, I should be able to see Jesus. He became like us so that we can be like him. And and when we act like him, people look at us from the outside in the world and say, wow, those Christians, they are something. They sure know how to love. Now, sometimes we Christians, we don't act right. We don't behave. And, 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 and we disappoint God because we act like people in the world. But, but God tells us to love like Jesus loved. And so when we do that, people see Jesus in us. And so each and every moment of your lives, every day, it's it is. It's orange. It is. Yeah. And so every, yeah, so every day I want you to think, how can I be more like Jesus today? I mean, God gave himself up in such a wonderful way to come down to be like us. And then he lived like us, and then he died on the cross for us, and he rose again so that we can be like him forever. Not just in this world, but forever. So think about these things. These are, these are things that you can think about all night long, every time you get up to go to the bathroom. These sorts of things, Okay. Remember, Jesus became like you so that you can become like Jesus. All right? All right. Those of you who want to, you can get a packet from Dr. Warner over there, and you can color and go sit with your parents or grandparents. Oh, thank you. Pull me up. We had a wonderful, wonderful family fun day yesterday. And um, great volunteerism. Lots of people did a lot of wonderful things. And, uh, and also because we're just coming off of the summer and because uh, we're just coming off of Labor Day weekend, everybody hadn't decided to start coming back to church yet. And so next week, next week, we're going to have a special No Excuses Sunday. And these are some of the things we're going to do. These are some of the things we're going to do. In the hallways outside and in the North X, the front lobby, we're gonna place cots out there and the, for those who say that Sunday is my only day to sleep late so they can have a place to lie down and sleep if they need to, no excuse. The next thing we're gonna do is um, we're gonna have a special section right over there by Mark and Jennifer and we're going to put in lounge chairs for those who feel that our pews are too uncomfortable so they can sit right over there. And then we're going to have eye drops available for anyone with tired eyes because they stayed up late watching TV or playing games on Saturday night. And then we're going to have steel helmets for those who say the roof would cave in if I ever came back to church. And then we're going to have blankets. We'll furnish those who think that the church is too cold with blankets. And we'll have fans for those who think the church is too hot. And then we're going to have scorecards. We'll give everybody a scorecard coming in. Um, for those who say that there's too many hypocrites in the church and you can start listing them on your scorecard next week and then we're going to have um, we're going to distribute stamp out stewardship uh, buttons for your lapels for those who feel that church is always asking for money but we're also going to pass out blank checks for those of you who would like to help assure that we don't ever have to ask for money again and then over here A section will be kind of planted with trees and gardens and grass for those who prefer to worship God in nature. And we're going to have doctors and nurses here next Sunday for those who plan to be sick next Sunday. And the sanctuary is going to be decorated with Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies for those who have never seen the church without those. And then we're going to provide hearing aids for those who say they can't hear the preacher and earplugs for, for those who say that the preacher is way too loud. So I'll see you all next Sunday. There is no excuse for you not being here next Sunday. Of course, you're all here. I'm preaching to the choir, right? Uh, today's lesson, our second reading, Paul's, from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, it provokes an interesting question. And then it goes on to talk about who Jesus Christ is. If Christ Jesus had a twin brother or sister, what would he or she have been like? Listen to what St. Paul writes at the beginning of our reading today. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. And so we are to be like minded with Jesus Christ, says St. Paul. So what does that mean? Maybe at least spiritually, it means that we are to be. Christ's twin the twin of Jesus in her book dare to dream author Florence Litauer tells about a fascinating study done years ago by the University of Minnesota and researchers there studied 402 pairs of twins who were separated at birth and reared apart from each other they never saw each other The research started way back in 1919 and continued for decades, and the results were startling. Twins reared in different circumstances were still extraordinarily similar in many, many ways. The most celebrated example was a set of twins named Jim Lewis and Jim Springer. The two gyms were separated at birth and brought together, back together at age 40, so 40 years without having seen each other. And here's what happened with them over those four decades. Both of them had taken law enforcement training. Both of them had taken up blueprinting, drafting, and carpentry as hobbies. Lewis had been married three times, Springer twice. Both first wives were named Linda. Both second wives... Were named Betty, each of them named his first son James Allen, and each had a dog named Toy. Of their first meeting, Lewis said it was like looking in a mirror. These twins were found to have had similar IQs, similar personality scores, similar electrocardiograms, fingerprints, handwriting, As Springer put it, all the tests we took looked like one person had taken them twice. Now, to me, that's fascinating. Reared apart, but still almost identical, not only in looks, but in behavior. Now, imagine that if you were a twin of Christ Jesus... We're 2,000 years apart. Here's Jesus 2,000 years ago. Here you are today, 2,000 years in between, having the same personal attributes. What would that look like? And this is kind of basically what St. Paul is, is talking about when he tells us to be like-minded to Christ. If we are his twin, like the two gems. Would we have those same attributes? The King James Version says, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The same mind that was in Christ Jesus in us. The mind of Jesus in us. Is that possible? I mean, forget how presumptuous this sounds. This is the ideal that we should seek, according to St. Paul to be a spirit spiritual twin of Jesus. So in practical terms what does this mean? What kind of mind, what kind of attitude did Christ have? And we find an answer by looking once again at our lesson from Philippians this morning. Here we are presented with the story of Jesus as a drama in three different acts. So in act 1 of this drama, We begin, even before the creation of the world, though he was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, as something to be exploited. These verses present Jesus with all the characteristics, all the attributes, all the powers, and the form of Almighty God found in Jesus. Now, as finite human beings, we know very little about that period before the creation of the world, except maybe for a few sketchy references here and there in scripture. But those few references make it very clear that the Jesus we came to know in the hills of Galilee had long before been involved in the creation of those very same hills in in Galilee. The one who lived in those hills many, 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 many years before had created those hills. That's Act 1. But the drama continues in Act 2 by telling us that Christ gave himself up, he emptied himself of the attributes of God and assumed human form. Now, if we are to be spiritually twinned to Christ, This second act is what we need to pay attention to. But first, let's ask, how could Jesus empty himself of his divine powers and still be divine? Because we believe Jesus is divine and human fully on each. So how can he empty himself of his divine powers and still be divine? Well, let me give you an analogy. And I think of how I've played golf with my son Nicholas over the years and now my grandson, Elijah, great golfer, goes to all the tournaments, 12-year-old son. A few years back, I fell into the habit of allowing Nicholas and now Elijah to win, to beat me in golf. (laughs) It would have been no fun for either of us if I had beat them every single time we played together using all of my more adult strength and power. That's four. Huh? Your lies this morning. Okay, you're my lies. <laughs> so what I did was I gave up some of my own power, some of my distance in driving, so as to allow them to beat me from time to time. And I guess this habit has continued to the present day, because they still beat me most every time I play. So in other words, for the sake of my boys, I emptied myself of my adult power. The power was still mine, but I chose not to use it. Now remember, this is only an analogy, and again, it may or may not be true, But because the truth is they really do beat me almost every time I play. And I have a good handicap, but they they do beat me. Christ emptied himself taking the form of a slave, of a servant, being born in human likeness. And it is this part of Act 2 with which we are the most familiar. The story opens with the birth of a baby in an out-of-the-way town called Bethlehem, with his first cradle being a manger for, for the feeding of livestock, He grew up in this unsanitary mountain village of Nazareth, known only for the fact that nothing good has ever come from Nazareth. It was a normal home. Jesus shared normal duties with his family. He knew how to fill lamps to trim the wicks. He knew what house cleaning involved. He knew how to build a fire. He knew how to have a fish fry. He learned the trade of a carpenter. And then at about the age of 30 years... Jesus laid aside those tools of his trade and he began to teach and preach and heal. And from the beginning, people reacted to him. Little children, they came running at the music of his voice. The aged found comfort in his presence. The sick found healing by merely touching the hem of his garment. He had his hours of celebrity when the multitudes gathered around him on the hills but there were also hours of adversity and abandonment. Hardly had he begun his work when he was arrested on suspicion of leading a popular revolt. He was condemned, betrayed by those he trusted, deserted by those he loved. With the purple robe thrown contemptuously across his shoulders, a crown of thorns jammed down upon his brow, He carried his cross to an outlaw's execution, or as Philippians says, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The life which had begun in humble obscurity ended in public shame. He who at birth had been laid in a borrowed manger was now laid in a borrowed tomb. Who was this strange person? I'll tell you, the Christian church is built on the conviction that this strange person is God. We believe that Jesus is God with us in human flesh. Let me reemphasize that. We believe that Jesus is God in human flesh, fully God, fully human. To prevent anyone from saying what we have often heard, we emphasize this truth, People say, I can accept him as a great moral teacher, but no, I can't really see him as God. Well, folks, that's not what we believe as Christians. He is fully God, fully human. C.S. Lewis said it best, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either, either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says that he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice, Lewis says. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit him, spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to, Lewis writes. Now, of course, we know that the story of Jesus did not end with his death and with his burial the curtain on act three of the divine drama began on easter sunday morning with the resurrection the apostle peter shouted to a crowd of thousands in jerusalem just six or seven weeks after the crucifixion and resurrection god raised him from the dead of that we are witnesses Had this not been true, someone in the crowd would have yelled back, don't be silly, I can take you to the body where it is laid. And of course, no one did that. But the resurrection was only the beginning of Act 3. God raises Christ, not only from the dead, but once more to the heights of heaven. Gives him a name above every name. God gives him the name Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord that is where the whole faith came together for those early christians they had their debates about other things as do we but this was the one overwhelming fact of their lives the transforming center of their total experience that jesus christ was lord and one more thing to note is this the world has not seen the last of jesus If we have not met Jesus before, we will encounter encounter him again at the end of human history. The final words of our lessons make this very plain to us. There will come a day when the aim of God, the dream of God, the purpose of God will be realized. There will come a day when every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, there will come a day when all wrong will fail and all that is right will prevail because Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when crime will no longer pay because Jesus Christ is Lord. And there will come a day when the principalities and the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world will reluctantly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when sin will no longer have dominion over anyone, and we will be able to shout together, Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream because Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when all tears are wiped away. There will be no more sorrow or pain or crying or death because Jesus Christ is Lord. There will come a day when all of God's children... Red, yellow, black, and white will join in one mighty chorus and sing together, Jesus Christ is Lord. Lift up your heads, friends, because Christ Jesus died for you and for me. And this same Jesus, whose name is above every name, calls us brother, calls us sister, Calls us friend. So let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.